Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Alhamdulillah, we have been blessed with the opportunity, similar to what Ustad of Dahman and Sheikh Mufti Kamani had mentioned, to reach the 29th night of Ramadan. And as we're going through this night and we're going through the month of Ramadan, we're meeting each other, we're seeing each other in the community, we're seeing each other at the different masajid. And every day, everybody keeps repeating the same words. I cannot believe Ramadan is almost over. I cannot believe Ramadan is almost over. What happens is that when we're going through something and we know that there's a lot of benefit to it, you know, the beginning of that time, you have a lot of momentum. There's a lot of energy that is poured into it. There's a lot of hype around it. So you really feel like, okay, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do the best that I can and I'm gonna get the best out of this month, right? And because your whole entire year has been leading up to this moment, you make goals and things and aspirations that you hope to be able to accomplish in the month. Then you get to the second 10 days and you hit the slump. And in those days, you, you lose a lot of motivation. You lose a lot of ability to be able to complete the task that you have put your intention forth for. And that's where you get a lot of the Ramadan is here and I'm happy, but you know, if it leaves, I'm not really so sad because I tried. That's the kind of feelings you start to feel. And then you get revamped again because the last 10 days are coming. And you know that in those 10 days are 10, day, 10 blessed days within a blessed month. And there's a blessed day that you're looking for. So you really ramp it up. But you guys ever heard of senioritis? Yeah. So you get really close to the finish line and you feel like, oh, well, I did a lot in those five days. Or I did as much as I could. Or I worked kind of, I did some. And now you're here, you pass the 27th night, and you feel a little bit like, I may not be super satisfied with the time that has passed, but there's no more time left, so maybe next year. When it doesn't have to be a maybe next year type of situation, it can be a we're gonna do this right now. We're gonna accomplish this today. And the Prophet وسلم, he would encourage people to take, to seize the moment. He would encourage people to not let, take, not take for granted the time that they had. So in a narration, the Prophet Sallallahu he says, that take hold, be mindful, be prepared, take advantage of five before five. That you should take advantage of your youth before you get old, before you age. And your good health before you're ill, before you're sick. And your wealth before you've lost it, before you experience poverty. And your free time before you get, become busy.
and your life before your death. These are all situations and moments where you feel like, I have time, right? When you're young, you feel like you're never gonna get old. In fact, you become a little snooty towards old people. Yeah, you're looking like, man, you don't know the times. You don't know what we go through. We don't, you don't know what's happening. Or you say, I would never be that old person. I'm not looking at you intentionally, Shake. <laughs> right? You have money. Every single day, you're like spending 12 bucks on coffee and avocado toast you can buy at home. Yeah, it happens, we know, right? Because you feel like I have it. But what the Prophet is telling you, listen, there's gonna be a, come a time where all of these blessings that Allah SWT has given you, you're gonna feel like it's running out. And instead of playing catch up, be proactive about it. Take advantage of it. And that goes to say right now, yes, we're in the 29th night. Yes, we only have two more days of fasting, subject to moon sighting. Ish, kind of, right? So we only have two more days of fasting. One more tarawi left. What are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna say that my month is done, it's over? Are you gonna lose hope and despair? Oh, I wanted to finish the Quran, but I didn't get a chance to, so I'm just gonna not read anymore? No, you still have time to make sure that you're putting in that last effort, that you're doing that last push, that you're really tapping into the best part of you to say, you know what, I have potential to do better. I did so much that I could possibly do in these last 28 days. I have so much more potential to do better. I need to tap into my ibadah even more. I need to tap into my dhikr even more. I need to tap into my relationship between me and Allah even more. If you have not gotten up and been able to pray in the night, today is your day. If you have not been able to make extra nafil prayers, today is your day. And so is tomorrow. That Ramadan for us is not about a end of the year type of thing. We've closed the year out. Now it's time for us to go back to how we were living. It is a stepping stone. It is a mercy from Allah Subhanahu wa to tell you how far you can push yourself when you thought you couldn't push yourself that far. It is a mercy from Allah Subhanahu wa showing you how much of a relationship you can have with him when there were days that you doubted it. Days that you doubted your faith and your belief. And Allah subhanahu wa is telling you, listen, you have it. It's right here. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he says in a narration, that there are people, there's one of you, there's some of you, that will perform, do certain actions or do certain things and perform in the way of, you know, doing things and deeds that may have been taking you to hellfire. You will engage in things that objectively speaking, if you wrote them on paper, you can say that Allah subhanahu wa says that these are things that are wrong and they are a ticket to hellfire. But then what the Prophet says, حَتَّى مَا يَكُونَ مَا يَكُونُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهَا إِلَّا ذِرَاءٌ That this person consistently acts in these deeds and these actions 
that could take them to the Hellfire until what's the difference, the distance between them and the Hellfire is an arm's length. And then the Prophet says, that this is what has been written overtakes them. And they do something, they do an action, a good deed, that is the action of paradise. And they enter into paradise. You may have started off this Ramadan with the narration of that actions and deeds are governed or they, the reward of them is based off of your intention. And you have made lofty goals and aspirations and felt like you have not accomplished any of them. And then you may feel like I'm just throwing my Ramadan away now because I've reached 28 days and I couldn't, I couldn't live up to the weight that I put on myself. But what does the Prophet say here in this narration? Yes, as much as your intention matters and how you entered into the month, how you ended off is even more important. It's even more important. Because why? Someone lived their entire life doing things that are wrong, where it became clear that this is somebody that Allah is going to send to hell. But they did an action of Jannah, and they were entered into it, into paradise. What actions are you going to do in these last couple of days, we can even say hours, that you have that are going to be your ticket to Jannah? Ask yourself that. Is it going to be feeding someone? Is it going to be you know, doing more of your adhkar? Is it going to be reading some more Quran? Is it going to be standing and praying in the night? Is it going to be being kind, being gracious, or a combination of all of them? Because they're all within every single one of our capacity. This is why the Prophet says in another narration that that actions are based off the, the reward that you get for them are based off of how you end it. Don't throw your Ramadan away because you think it's over. Don't get senioritis for Ramadan. Don't say, you know what, we got time. Don't do that. Don't bank on next year, because we don't know. This may be our last Ramadan. This may be the last Ramadan that Allah allows us to witness. There is a companion by the name of Sa'd ibn Mu'ad radiallahu And I bring this story because you may say that, okay, well, I have all of these goals and all these things that I want to accomplish and I want to do, but the time is short. So how am I going to do them? Well, Sa'd ibn Mu'ad radiallahu he spent about six years with the Prophet Six years with the Prophet And in his time, Sa'd ibn Mu'ad he participated in the Battle of Badr, he participated in the Battle of Uhud, he participated in the Battle of the Trench, and he passed away shortly after. And when Sa'd ibn Mu'ad passed away, the Prophet was heard saying, Ihtazza Arshur Rahman Limot Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad. 
that the throne, the arsh of Allah, shook. The arsh of Allah shook because of the death of Sa'd ibn Muad. What a way to capitalize on your life. What a way to capitalize on your time. That he fought alongside the Prophet Sallallahu He supported him. That he was one of the leaders of his tribe. And he got all his people up there. He made all his people fall in line. Someone would say six years is nothing. It's nothing. You, better, you barely get out of college in six years and start your life and become a human, as Shaykh Nasser likes to say, become a human in six years. That in that time of six years that he spent with the Prophet he made such an impact on his own life and his own relationship between him and Allah that the Prophet said that Allah's throne shook when he passed away. In six years. There's a lot that you can do in the time that you have. Now someone may say, well, okay, I know I have this time and I can do it, but I started off horribly. I slept through the entire day for the first 23 days. I'll give you guys 10, first 10 days. I woke up at iftar time every single day. Right? The Shaykh Nasser Ustad of Dhaman, they've been going through the forgiveness sessions. And it's so powerful because they've been telling stories of people who their start was not how you thought they were going to end. How they started off was like really rough. It was really rough. And in any textbook example, you will think that that's it for them. There's no way that they will have forgiveness or a happy ending. You have someone by the name of Suhail bin Amr that he had a rough start in his life. And what I mean by his life, I mean his, his, how he was before he accepted Islam. That Suhail bin Amr, there's so many different stories about him. But one of the things that we should realize is that he was such a person who was so staunchly against the Prophet that during the, battle, during the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, he was the one who was sent because he was a spokesperson for the Quraysh. And we're not going to get into the entire story of Hudaybiyah because it's a great story, and Sheikh Mnasir, like does a great job at explaining it, so you guys should really look at the podcast for that. But the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, Suhaib so and Amr comes, and you have to look at the picture of that situation, that the Muslims come in ihram, meaning that they're ready to not fight. They're just ready to worship. And they are basically writing, we come in peace on their forehead. 1,500, 1,400, 1,500 Muslims come to make Umrah. They're about a day's journey or less than away from the Kaaba. So here bin Amr comes as a spokesperson for the Quraysh just to tell the Prophet yeah, you guys are not doing this, not today. We'll write a treaty with you, make you feel a little bit better, and the treaty was so bogus. It was so much so, it was so like terrible for the Muslims that Umar bin Khattab who had one of his most regrettable moments at that time, that he talked to the Prophet and he said to the Prophet 
Why are we signing this? Are they not on the on wrong and falsehood and we're on truth? To which the Prophet says, Bala, no, you're right. So he's like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And the Prophet says, listen, Allah got us. I know what I'm doing because Allah SWT told me. And Allah got us. So Suhail bin Amr shows the Prophet the ultimate level of disrespect the entire time. They're going to sign. Ali ibn Abi Talib who writes Muhammad Rasulullah. Suhail bin Amr is like, we were, if I believe what this is, we wouldn't be here right now. Erase it. Ali who doesn't have the heart to do that. The Prophet tells him, point to where it is, I erase it. Ali points and Prophet the Prophet erases it. As soon as they signed the treaty, one of it was that, one of the points of the treaty was that if someone comes, a Muslim comes and escapes from Mecca and is trying to go into the protection of the Muslims in Medina, the Prophet cannot take them. So Hayd bin Amr's son, Abu Jandal, comes and he's begging the Prophet to take him. And so Hayd slaps him in the face and tells him, no, you're not going. And the Prophet at that moment has signed a treaty he tells him, I can't take you. I can't take you. This is Suhail bin Amr and how he treat his own child. That when the battle of Badr happened and occurred, because he was a spokesperson for the Quraysh, he said some vile things before. And he ended up being a prisoner of war. Omar bin Khattab, who is Omar bin Khattab. So he tells the Prophet let me cut his tongue out of his mouth. And the Prophet says, no. He tells him, no, because perhaps maybe some good will come out of that mouth. Maybe some good will come out of that mouth. Fast forward to years later after the conquest of Mecca. During the conquest of Mecca, the Quraysh, they asked the Prophet numerous questions. Once they asked him, one of the questions that they asked him, they said, they said to him, the Prophet asked them, he says, what do you think I will do with you? In one narration, it says that Suhail bin Amr then said to him that we think that you may treat us as a noble person, as a, as a, as di with dignity and respect, because you are a noble person. And some may say, well, maybe he was sucking up. No. At that moment, he saw how the Prophet came into Fatah Mecca with his head down on his sword. He saw how the Prophet treated them that the Prophet had every right to take revenge at that moment, and he did not. And faith had entered into his heart. To which the Prophet then responded. And the Prophet said, That you all go, go, and know that you are all free. You're free to be. I'm not forcing you guys to do anything. You're free to be. And so Hayd bin Amr accepted Islam. That is how he ended his life. That after the passing of the Prophet, you have Abu Bakr Siddiq consoling the people in Medina. Who's consoling the people in Mecca? Suhail bin Amr. That he spent the rest of his life as vocal as he was against the Muslims, he was even more vocal for them. To which Omar bin Khattab then says that the Prophet once said to me that good would come out of his mouth, and look, good has come out of his mouth. This story is to tell you that one, it's a short amount of time that you do have, 
but it's, you have so many opportunities to capitalize on blessings in this time, to earn your agenda in this time. And if you started off rough, and you really feel like you cannot redeem yourself, thank God redemption is not in your hands and it's in Allah's Allah's hands. You have every moment and opportunity to redeem yourself. You have every moment and opportunity in these last couple of nights to earn your Jannah. So make sure that you are reading your Quran. Make sure that you're standing up for some more prayers. Make these last two fast-ish fasts the best that you can. Do something nice for someone, whether it's a kind word, giving to charity, whatever it is that you can in your capability, you do it and push yourself a little bit harder in these last couple of days. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastafiruka, wa natubu ilayk, jazakumla khaira. Okay, bismillahi walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So inshallah, we're going to wrap up quickly. I know that we're a little bit over time from what we had aimed for. But at the same time, alhamdulillah, it's just, you know, more of an opportunity to utilize the entirety of the night in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I will uh, wrap this up quickly and then we will uh, pray witr for those who have not had the opportunity to pray witr. We will have the witr prayer, inshallah. We'll have the dua, the qunut nazila in the witr to close off the night, inshallah, properly and appropriately. After that, inshallah, um, we'll wrap up so that people can, you know, uh, make whatever arrangements they would like to for suhoor. Otherwise, obviously, the masjid will still be open for those who would like to uh, just stay and engage in more personal dua and worship. There will be some arrangement for uh, just some, you know, uh, light uh, snacks and food, inshallah, for those who don't maybe need too much uh, suhoor. Uh, regardless, inshallah, we'll wrap things up. I wanted to end and conclude here by making one very succinct and salient point. I wanted to make one point very, very clearly. I thought I would translate the words I just used. <laughs> Hi, my name is Abdul Nasser and I teach English at Qalam. All right? So... <laughs> but I just wanted to make one point very clearly. And that point is, I want everyone to really soak in exactly what is happening right now. It is 3 a.m., right? By all definitions, middle of the night, okay? And at 3 a.m., in the middle of the night, you are in the masjid in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And many of us, you know, went to the masjid maybe at Maghrib for iftar, or at least for Isha and Taraweeh, and then prayed Qiyam somewhere or here, been sitting in the masjid, sweating, listening, sitting on the ground, sweating, listening to a talk attentively, for two hours. This is remarkable. And this is not just some kind of like patronizing, you know, kind of empty, kind of pat on the back.
like a pat on the head, like, good boy, right? No, 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 no. This is very, think about what this means. This is powerful. This is beautiful, right? You have been fasting, you know, 28 days in a row. 28 days of fasting. Where you give up water, you give up food, you give up your desires. You inconvenience yourself. Right? You, you um, discomfort yourself. So profoundly. Right? Even after 28 days, you still can't overcome the, you know, at like 3 p.m., 2 to 3 p.m. around that time. I'm teaching class up here, right? We had the last day of class on Wednesday. It was supposed to be Thursday, but students were like, oh, we're tired, we need an extra day. Anyway, so I'm still like agitated. I need my day back. But, um, but you know, subhanAllah, they're, they're just being more honest than me. But, uh, you know, some of them might be able to attest. There, there we go. Uh, the year four people know that in the fifth period... Right, we have six periods in the fifth period, which in Ramadan is like from 2.30 to 3.15, all right? And I'm teaching Bidayat al-Mujtahid, um, comparative fiqh to the fourth year students. I doze off in that class at least twice. <laughs> Every day, right? And the indication of that is, right? <laughs> Yeah, the indication of that is, is that, you know, if the student reads like an extra long passage, like he reads for like a whole page and a half without me like chiming in and commenting, and then when I do start to comment on what we just read, I start over from the beginning and I read the whole thing over again, it's because I have no idea what he just read. Because <laughs> I was knocked out. Solid. Right? Um... You know, when, when somebody has, mashallah, a sweet voice like Shahir, right? So it just puts me to sleep. But anyways, <laughs> so subhanAllah, like, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure everybody has that experience, right? My wife was coming back from, you know, uh, her classes and, you know, she messaged me, oh, I just got out of class. And it's like 45 minutes, an hour later, I'm like, everything okay? And she's like, oh, I'm just getting on the road now. So what happened? She said, oh, we just went and sat down in the car, like, you know, again, like 2 p.m. And first thing I did was knock out. <laughs> and I just woke up an hour later in the car, like, oh my God, where am I? Right? <laughs> that's Ramadan. SubhanAllah, that's what, that's what y'all have been doing. That's what we've all been trying to do. That's what y'all have been doing. And then going to the masjid and praying every night. You know, trying to read as much Qur'an as you can. You know, so that effort is beautiful. That effort is powerful. And, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُ And I said at the beginning that this kind of, this tone of mine, that congratulations, Mubarak, MashaAllah, Job well done. This is not patronize, This is not me patronizing you. This is not some like empty pat on the back. This is not some demeaning pat on the head. 
good job. Right? No, no, no. But this is very real and sincere. Why? Because Allah says in the Quran, "Qul bi fadlillahi wa bi rahmatihi Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, congratulate them. Celebrate. The, Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ, tell the Muslims to celebrate. Celebrate what? That God blessed you and gave the ability to do good. Because if you, in shakartum la azidannakum. Imam Razi rahimullah ta'ala mentions that if you are grateful, I shall increase you. That that verse applies to all blessings in our lives. We usually associate it with material blessings. If you're grateful for the amount of money you have in your pocket, Alhamdulillah, Allah says, I will increase the money in your pocket. Yes, that is true. But the verse was actually revealed about your spiritual blessings. That if Allah gave you the ability to pray, you say Alhamdulillah and Allah will give you the ability to pray more. If Allah gave you the ability to fast, you say Alhamdulillah. Then Allah will give you the ability to fast more. If you gave charity and sadaqah and you say Alhamdulillah. If you read Quran, one page, half a page, quarter of a page, one line. And you say Alhamdulillah, Allah will give you the ability to do more. وَيَزِيدُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ اهْتَدَوْ هُدًا if you do what's in your capacity, God will increase you and give you the ability to do that which you could not even fathom. A brother told me today that three years ago, his goal for the entirety of the month of Ramadan was to read a hundred pages of the Quran. Three years ago. His goal for the whole Ramadan was to read a hundred pages of the Qur'an. Which amounts to like five juzu. And he said he was able to barely get that done. And it was like, like the greatest victory of his life. Like he was tired and exhausted afterwards. Like man, that was a struggle. But he said that I, I was happy and I was grateful and I celebrated that Allah gave me the ability to do this. And he showed me the pictures of where he wrote his goal and where he was keeping track of his goal and when he met his goal and he showed me the picture and, and he said I was happy and I thanked Allah and I said yes. And he said that I'm not telling anybody else obviously because it's between me and Allah but as a teacher I want to share this with you. This Ramadan, I read 12,000 pages of the Qur'an. I finished the whole Qur'an twice over. 6,000 pages. Twice. I read 12,000 pages. This Ramadan. Three years later. Three years later. So, I wanted to just close out by spending a few moments talking about celebrating the good that we've done. Because you have to thank Allah. You have to feel good about what you've been able to do. And then build on that. No one's talking about complacency. Notice I did not talk about complacency. But if you cannot appreciate where you are, you cannot understand where you are, you can't build on top of that. So I'm going to share a couple of quick passages with you and listen to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in surah number 7, in ayah number 42, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ 
that those who believed in Allah and those who strove to do good, whatever good they were capable of, Allah says that we do not obligate any soul beyond its capacity. Do what you're capable of doing. That brother could only read a hundred pages. He could only read, you know, uh, two to three pages a day. That's fine. Do that much. If you are real, if you are sincere, then Allah says that you will be from the people of paradise and you will be in paradise for all of eternity. And when you go to paradise, Allah will remove all the evil, all the rancor, all the nastiness, all the frustration, all the anxiety, everything that feels like it's weighing you down. In your heart, Allah will rip it out of you. Allah will pull it out of you. Allah will remove it from your heart. He will cure you of all of your evils. That they will be in gardens and rivers and streams flowing from beneath these gardens. And they will say, all praise is due to Allah. Thank you, O oh Allah, for bringing us here today. That, O Allah, if you had not given us the ability to make it here today, there was no way we could have gotten here on our own. Allah allowed us to be here tonight. Allah allowed us to be here tonight. There's a fascinating story that just absolutely blows my mind. Right? It's, uh, it's, this story is narrated in few of the books of Tazkiyah, like, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of some of them. One of the books of Abu Laytha Samarqandi, rahimahullah ta'ala, I forget the name of the book right now. But one of the books of Abu Laytha Samarqandi, rahimahullah, the great Hanafi scholar and jurist. Um, so he mentions this as one of his books. That there was a, a, a very knowledgeable person. He went to the marketplace one time. And back in the day, you know, they didn't have like, you know, grocery carts and it wasn't just like one superstore, supermarket, right? So it would be like a huge sprawling marketplace. So if you are doing like some big shopping, right? You're there shopping once for like a whole month or something like that. You got to walk around the whole marketplace gathering little, little, little bit all, from all over the marketplace. So what they would do is a, lot, a way to, you know, make, make a little bit of money on the side, like an odd job was that young boys, young men, what they would do is, they would stand and wait by the gate of the marketplace. And if you were coming in and you were going to be buying a lot of goods, then you would tell any one of them, you would say, hey, Habibi, come on, join me. And then, you know, there was kind of an expectation. They would get paid a certain amount at the end of it. So you would hire them, like a porter, to carry your stuff for you. So this man, he's a scholar, he comes in and he sees young man standing there and he says, come on Habibi, come join me. The young man says, sure, but it's getting close to the time of prayer and I will do the job for you with one condition. That when it's time for salah, then I have to go pray. When I hear the adhan, there's a masjid in the marketplace. When I hear the adhan, we stop where we're at and I go pray. He says, okay, sure, obviously, why not? Mashallah, even better. Get to hire a good young man like you. Right, so they get on their way, they start shopping, they've bought quite a bit of stuff, and then all of a sudden he hears the adhan. When he hears the adhan, he says, hey, I gotta go pray. 
He says, sure, but I mean, you know, I would come with you, but I have all this stuff and I can't just leave it here, right? So I guess I'll pray later. Um, I'll just sit here and wait by the stuff. You go ahead and go. So he goes to pray. The man's sitting there for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. The young man, the boy, the porter hasn't come back yet. So he starts to get a little bit kind of fidgety, gets a little agitated. What's taking so long? So do do and praying taraweeh, right? It's a dhuhr, right? So after a little while, he comes at the door of the masjid, right? To so where you see those double doors, not actually in the masjid, but at the double doors. And he comes right there and he yells inside. He goes, hey, young man. And the young man turns around and looks at him and he goes, why won't you come out? And it's so odd how the man is standing like right at the door and like yelling from there that the young man says, just it occurs to him and he says, he goes, the one who, who hasn't invited you in has not allowed me to leave yet. This is the house of Allah. No one just walks in and out, you know, just of their own accord. This is the house of Allah. You are invited here. You are allowed to be here. And so this is the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another place in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, إِنَّ أَصْحَابَ الْجَنَّةِ الْيَوْمَ فِي شُغُلٍ فَاكِهُونَ That the people of paradise, who believed and did good, that they will be in the gardens of paradise, فِي شُغُلٍ فَاكِهُونَ They'll be enjoying themselves, living, living it up. Enjoying the blessings of paradise. They'll be sitting with their spouses under the shade of these huge, magnificent trees of paradise. The Hadith of Bukhari says the tree of paradise is so huge that if a horse was to run for a hundred years, it could not cover the length of the shade of a tree. So they'll be sitting under the shade of these trees, reclining, Relaxing, enjoying themselves. That the person while sitting under the shade of the tree will feel like eating. They won't be hungry, they'll just feel like eating. And they'll look up and they'll see that fruit on that tree. The branch of the tree will come down to the person's mouth to where they can bite from the fruit and then it'll lift itself away. And then when they want to eat more, then it'll come back down. Then it'll lift back away. They'll just like think of something and it'll summon in front of them immediately. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the greatest honor of all, Salamun qawlam min Rabbir Rahim. Allah will say to them, Salam, Salam. Welcome, welcome. Allah will welcome them. Allah will be their host. They will truly be the guest of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an about the scene of when these people are welcome to paradise. وَسِيقَ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ رَبَّهُمْ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ زُمَرًا That the people who were mindful of their Lord, they fasted, they prayed, they stayed up. They will be escorted, led. They'll be led to the gates of paradise. When they get to the gates of paradise, they'll find that the gates are already open waiting for them. 
وَقَالَ لَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا And the gatekeepers of paradise, the angels will say, سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ They'll welcome them. أَهْلًا وَسَهْلًا مَرْحَبًا وَاكُمْ وَاكُمْ طِبَتُمْ فَدُخُلُوهَا خَالِدِينَ You did good in the life of the world. You prayed, you worshipped, you made time. You fasted, you read, you gave charity. You did good. فَدُخُلُوهَا خَالِدِينَ So now enter in here for all of eternity. And the people of paradise will say, أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي صَدَقَنَا وَعْدَهُ That all the praises for Allah who fulfilled His promise to us. God kept His promise. Allah told us that if you pray, you will have my pleasure. If you fast, you will enter through the gates of paradise. If you sacrifice what is dear to you, I will fulfill all your dreams and desires in paradise. Anything you could ever possibly desire will be given to you. And you did all that. So here's your reward. So they'll say, Sadaqana wa'da. Allah kept His promise. And Allah gifted us a paradise that is as huge as the entire earth. And some interpret that word al-ard because jannatin ardu hassamawatu al-ard. That each person, the lowest person, the lowest level of paradise will be a jannah as vast as this entire universe. Every person will have a universe unto themselves. Natabawwa'u min al-jannati haythu nasha'u. That we can live however we want, wherever we want, do whatever we want. How beautiful and remarkable is the reward of those who are willing to roll up their sleeves, who are willing to put a little bit of effort and sacrifice into it and do some work. And that's what we've done this Ramadan. That's what you've done this Ramadan. You've put in the work. So know that you put in the work. And say Alhamdulillah. Everyone say Alhamdulillah. You must appreciate that blessing. You have to allow yourself to appreciate that yes, I put in good work. I'm not done. But you have to acknowledge the good that you've done. And know that there is reward for it. That's why it says Imanan wa ihtisaban. You have, to, you have to believe, you have to have conviction, Allah will reward me for the good that I've done. And that will give you the himmah, that will give you the confidence, that will give you the strength to be able to continue to build on it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us. May Allah accept our fasting. May Allah accept our praying. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our worship. May Allah accept our charity. May Allah accept our reading of the Qur'an. May Allah accept our remembrance of Him. May Allah accept our visiting of His, home, of his houses and His masajid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us all the good that we have done. All the good that we have intended. All the good that we intend to do. And may Allah forgive us for our shortcomings. May Allah overlook our faults and shortcomings. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to continue to grow.
May Allah never take us backwards. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His mercy always take us forward. رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِقْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ رَبَّنَا تَقَبِّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ تَوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين